working that. And uh, meanwhile, we should be reminded to pray for a piano player. Amen. Uh, And if you play piano, then let me know. Um, and that would be wonderful, all right? We'll continue working on that and, uh, and pray. And, you know, in all reality, um, the truth of the matter is it seems like today that there is far less musicians, there are far less people who are learning instruments of music. Um, and that's not just here. That's kind of across the board. Matter of fact, I know one church, they... Uh, they actually um, moved somebody to their church, not to play piano, but to try and inspire and teach their young people to pick up musical instruments and start learning music. Uh, and, and really, I mean, if really that's where we're at today. There, there's so few people picking up instruments and learning to play that we really, you gotta encourage people to do that. And, uh, and so that's something that we're, we will continue working at, but even if you start taking piano lessons today, okay, it still takes a while to learn. And so little by little, uh, pray that uh, the Lord will uh, cover that need and the Lord could move somebody in town next week that moved here for job reasons and played the piano. And uh, so we just need to pray that the Lord will uh, provide for our needs, but we also need to encourage people to take up musical instruments and learn uh, those things and that'd be good. Proverbs chapter 29, it should be there. Proverbs chapter 29, in verse number 5, the Bible says this, A man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth a net for his feet. Let's stop right there and let's pray before we get into our message and uh, we'll get into the text tonight. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. We thank you for your many blessings. Thank you, Father, even for the warmer weather we've had over the past several days. And uh, God, I pray that you would just bless the service tonight. I pray that you would use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch hearts as only you can. And God, as we look at these uh, Proverbs and we see uh, some things to consider, I pray, Father, that you would help us to consider these things. And God will be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we think about the verses that we've covered, uh, we've covered verse 1, verse 3, 22, 23, 25, and 26. They all dealt with personal conduct. And they dealt with uh, how we were to conduct our lives and the things that we are supposed to do in our life. And and it dealt specifically with uh, a lot to do with righteousness. And if you live your life in such a way, uh, that that would be a good thing. And there would be blessings that would follow. And if you live your life and make poor decisions in your life, then uh, there would be results that would follow as a result of that as well. So we kind of covered all of those things. But these verses also, I still think, uh, tend to deal with personal conduct, but they tend to deal with our personal conduct or, or other in relation to other people and how other people would conduct, conduct themselves. And, uh, and I believe it's so important that we would look at these and we would evaluate our own personal decisions and our own personal lives. There's such an importance in that. We're so... Uh, quick, not us here, but as people, as, as normal people, we're very quick to jump on other people for their mistakes, and we're very slow to recognize our own faults. 
And, uh, and I, I'm not the only one to say that. Matter of fact, Jesus put it this way. He said, And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine own eye, or out of thine eye, excuse me, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. And that's what Jesus said. Those are not my words. That's what Jesus said. And so uh, we find that oftentimes we're so quick to evaluate other people and many times we need to reflect on our own lives and our own personal conduct and how we live our life. Uh, and, and tonight we have some things to consider, not so much maybe our actions, uh, but, but things that, about other people and how it would react or reflect within our life. And so it's really important as we look at these and considering the uh, personal conduct. And I just put the title, Things to Consider. And so verse number 5, we read it there. The Bible says, A man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth a net for his feet. Now I want us to think this uh, from this verse. I want this thought to get across. Consider the trap. Consider the trap. Look with me there in, in the first part of the verse. It says, uh, A man that flattereth his neighbor. Now, flattery is this. I looked it up in the dictionary and it says false praise. Now, that's important to understand that first word because it's false praise. In other words, it's saying something to somebody uh, that, that may, is probably not factual. Uh, but it's something that you know that they want to hear that would make them feel good. And so then you would say that and it would be flattery. Uh, it goes on, the definition goes further. It says, commendation bestowed, listen to this, for the purpose of gaining favor and influence. In other words, that you would say something nice to somebody because you want to gain their favor or have influence over uh, maybe some decisions that they would make in the future. And so that would be flattery. Now, I want us to say, I want us to understand this and realize that there is factual praise. There's nothing wrong with factual praise. That's a good thing, uh, and that is not flattery. And I want us to understand that there is uh, factual praise. Matter of fact, Jesus was teaching and he gave an illustration. And you remember how he gave uh, the illustration of the talents. And he said, listen, uh, he gave uh, one man ten talents, another man five talents, another man uh, one talent or two talents. And at the end of that time, he returned. And he says this in the Word of God in Matthew 25, 21, his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord, of thy Lord. And we know, hey, that is a factual praise. This is what Jesus is saying, that, hey, uh, the, you have done well with what has been given you. And, and every Christian strives uh, to do their best for the Savior because, hey, someday we want to hear the Lord say to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's a factual praise. There's nothing wrong with that. That is not made to influence and that is not made to try and gain favor with that person, but 
rather a fact that they have done something right. And so there's nothing wrong with that. I just want us to distinguish the difference between factual praise and flattery. Flattery is praising someone to gain favor. Uh, this fellow, I don't know who he is, Franklin P. Jones, maybe you know that name, maybe you don't, uh, said this, flattery is a device for getting somebody to pay attention to what you're saying. And that's a, kind of a funny quote, but yet it's true. You know, people respond when you start to talk good of them and, and they're like, well, I like what this guy has to say. Hey, don't, don't hold, tell me more of that. You know, let me hear a little more of that. And, uh, and somebody will pay attention to what you're saying when you start to, uh, to give them some form of flattery. But what I want us to understand as we consider the trap of flattery in verse number five is this, as Christians, don't fall prey to flattery. Don't, don't fall prey to flattery. Uh, the second part of that verse, look at what it says. Well, we'll start in the first part. A man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth a net for his feet. Now, spreadeth a net for his feet. Uh, what does that mean? Well, as I read that, uh, I thought, well, there's a couple nets. And I thought, well, maybe it's a safety net. Well, I can assure you that it is not a safety net. Okay, because I looked up net in the Bible and I thought, well, what, you know, what nets are shown in the Bible? Every time that the word net is used in the Bible, uh, with the exception of maybe two or three times, it is talking about a net that is used to trap and snare animals. So there's no safety nets ever mentioned in the Bible. So I don't think this verse at all is referring to spreading a safety net for yourself. In other words, somebody may look at this verse and they might say, hey, if you flatter your neighbor and in the time of trouble that you've spread a safety net, then your neighbor will come and bail you out. But if you look up nets in the Bible, you'll not find any positive mention of nets in the Bible. So I don't think it has to do with spreading a net to save yourself. The second thing, the reason I don't think it means that at all, is because flattery is never used in the Bible in a positive sense. So in other words, every time flattery is mentioned in the Bible, it's always used in a negative connotation saying, hey, don't fall prey to flattery. Flattery is not a good thing in the Word of God. And so we find that. And we can, you can go through the verses. Matter of fact, I'd encourage you, look up flattery in the Bible. Look up how many times it's used. Find out what the Word of God says. But I can tell you this, that it's not used in a good connotation. So having said that, let's go back to our verse again. The Bible says, A man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth a net for his feet. In other words, he's trying to gain influence or sway with his neighbor because, hey, he's trying to get something from his neighbor. At some point, he's trying to uh, maybe uh, get a, a returned favor or get something out of it. And it may be uh, good, it may be bad, it may not be uh, so bad, but nonetheless, there is a trap that is spread. And the idea that is given in this verse is when somebody is flattering other people, when somebody is constantly giving out a lot of flattery, hey, they're going to come a day that they're going to come saying, hey, you owe me a favor. And now it's time to pay up. And now it's time to give back. 
and they're expecting something. And the idea is that the motivation behind that flattery is not a good motivation. It's not done out of the pure and kindness of their heart to make somebody else feel bad, feel good. It's rather done because they're, they're expecting something in return. And so as a Christian, when we consider the trap and we consider the flattery, hey, just be wary of, of the people that would come and flatter you and, and issue all kinds of false praises or semi-false praises or things that would sound good, that would make you feel good, and just be leery and say, you know what, I think there, might, there may be something there that they're up to. There's a trap there that is being spread. And the Bible is very clear about that. A man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth a net for his feet. And again, that is not a safety net because that's not found in the Word of God. I found this quote. It says, like a bee, the flattery has honey in his mouth and a sting in his tail. A lot of truth to that. And so just be wary of, of flattery and those who would flatter to try and gain some sort of favor or some sort of uh, position with you as a Christian as we consider uh, the personal conduct of other people and how that would influence our life. And sometimes it's very easy to think, uh, well, that person, you know, they're a good person or, or this or that. I'm just telling you, the Bible says, be wary of it. Be careful of it. Be aware of that trap that is, spet, that is set. Look with me in verse number 6. These verses just happen to fall in line. In verse number 6, he says, In the transgression of an evil man, there is a snare, but the righteous doth sing and rejoice. Not only do we have to consider the trap in verse number 5, but I want us to consider the terms in verse number 6. We see a comparison in this proverb where he says, hey, here is one thing, the transgression of the bad does this, uh, but then the righteous does this. And so he gives a comparative statement uh, and, and shows two extremes. And so in verse number 6 he says, in the transgression of an evil man there is a snare. Now, evil man is not really easy to define, uh, but I would define it as this, someone who does wrong, bad, or sin. And so this is a person that is doing wrong or doing bad or doing sinful things in their life. And, uh, and the Bible is very clear here in this verse. He says, in the transgression of an evil man. In other words, in the action of sin, transgression is simply to go against the Word of God and go against the law of God and transgress would be sin. And so uh, the Bible is very clear about that. Listen, the world has a way of making sin seem so pleasurable and so exciting and it never shows to you uh, the recompenses of that sin. It never shows to you uh, the, the, the seriousness or what takes place as a result of that sin. We could go through a hundred illustrations, but I want to go to one Bible illustration. Yeah, just one. We'll do one. One Bible illustration that we all know. And that would be uh, David and Bathsheba. And look at, you take, that, you take that one illustration and you find out that, listen, David's sin affected a whole lot of people. 
So many times we're tempted to think, well, our sin will only affect us. There, there is nothing further from the truth. Matter of fact, that is a lie from the devil uh, to get people to fall into sin. If you don't understand and you don't realize, uh, the, the devil wants people to mess up their life. I mean, you look at the commercials on TV. Um, and, and what do they portray? They portray drinking. Oh, it's fun. I mean, they always show you the handsome men, uh, the, the, the beautiful women, and that's what they show with, and the partying, and they're all smiling, and everything is going well. They don't ever show you a drunk that's thrown up in the gutter all over himself and can't even get home. They don't show you that. They don't show you an old man that, that, is, that is drunk and, and lost his family and lost everything that goes with it because, uh, because he was drinking. They, they show you all the... Uh, Good, if I can say it that way, they try and glorify all the events of sin and show you something that is good. And listen, when David fell into sin with Bathsheba, listen, there was a transgression, there was a sin against God, and there was a snare in there. In other words, there was a trap, and you have to consider the terms of the agreement. In other words, hey, if you fall into sin, there is consequences that go along with that sin. So what are the, some of the consequences? What are some of the effects that took place with David? I want you to think of this. How did Uriah the Hittite feel about David's sin? He died as a consequence of David's sin. He might have never even known about it here on this earth, but David sent him to an early grave when he said, Hey, Joab, uh, I want you to take Uriah the Hittite. I want you to put him in the forefront of the army with all the uh, mighty men. And when he gets close to the forefront of the battle, I want all the guys to step back and leave Uriah the Hittite out there to hang and die. You know what David did? He committed murder. He, he committed murder by proxy. He had Joab, his colonel, uh, commit murder. And, and, it, and Uriah the Hittite paid with the price with his life because of David's sin, totally ignorant about what had taken place. David had caused Joab to sin and causing him to kill one of his own soldiers in, in, a, in a battle. And no, Joab didn't take a sword and kill him, but I tell you what, he might as well have. Because he was just as guilty, um, maybe you could let him off a little bit in following orders of the king, but nonetheless, hey, there's some kind of, a, of, of liability there for, uh, for everything that took place. So Uriah the Hittite, Joab was condemned. David obviously was condemned. What about the baby that was, that, that was born to Bathsheba? Also died. An innocent life that had really nothing to do with this other than it was a product of that sin and therefore died. Let me ask you this, perhaps you never thought of this, but David sent his servants to bring Bathsheba to him. You don't think they knew something was going on? You don't think they were affected by the fact that, uh, that they were uh, bringing Bathsheba back to the castle and, hey, David's called for you. And, and I'm just saying that there are a lot of people tied up in one sin. Uh, and when, when sin gets out, it gets involved. And you look at the tangled web of lies that David had to weave. Maybe he had to lie to his servants. Hey, go get uh, Bathsheba. I, I've got a message for her to run. And who knows all of the, uh, the extents of it, but I can tell you this, that the first part of this verse is very true. The Bible says, in the transgression of an evil man, there is a snare. 
In other words, many people will set out and they don't, uh, maybe, they don't maybe look to, to cause themselves problems, but when they fall into sin and when they run headlong into sin, they end up ensnaring themselves in all kinds of problems and all kinds of difficulties. And, and, and I'm just saying we need to be aware of that. We need to consider the terms of that because that is not a, a, a joyful thing. Matter of fact, Nathan, uh, the prophet, he said this, Howbeit, because that this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. So it wasn't just those people, Joab and Uriah and the baby that was born and the servants that were uh, tied into this web of lies, but all of the enemies that were against Israel had an opportunity to blaspheme God because of the wickedness that had taken place. And I'm just saying that, hey, when, when evil men are in the transgression of an evil man, there is a snare. And any person that gets tangled up in sin will eventually tangle up themselves and fall prey to the trap of sin. And I'm just saying we need to consider the terms of sin because the devil doesn't play fair. He's not going to write a clean contract. There's always going to be little tiny clauses that you're not going to see and that you're not going to find out until after it comes payday, until after it's too late, until after he says, hey, now's the time and the snare has been set and you're already trapped. We find the transgression of an evil man. There is a snare. But he goes on in the second part and he says, but the righteous doth sing and rejoice. So you have two options. The terms of transgression and the terms of sin is a snare to be entrapped and be uh, drugged down in your sin and, and, and be uh, caught up in the consequences of that. Or, hey, the righteous, and I love this, doth rejoice and sing. You know what? We're free from all that wickedness. We're free from all that garbage. Why? Because, hey, if we just live right, you just do right. There's a joy in your life. You don't have to worry about all that has taken place. Uh, and you don't have to worry about all the heaviness of the sin. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit. The Bible says in Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. You know what? When you have the Holy Spirit, when you surrender to the Holy Spirit in your life, you know what is a result? It is joy. When you give in to sin and temptation, you know what is the result? A loss of joy and a snare, and a, a problem that will occur in your life. And I'm just telling you, hey, if you're going you're gonna, to, you better weigh the terms. You better weigh both sides and say, man, do I really want to live in transgression and sin against God, or do I want to live right, and do I want to have joy in my life? Because as a Christian, listen, we're commanded. The Bible says in, in Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. There is nothing better on earth than knowing you got a good relationship with God and saying, man, I know everything's right and I'm living right and I'm doing right. And I thank God for the salvation uh, that we have. We were going over a song. Um, was it My Sins Are Gone? Now I forget what the name of the song was, uh, but it was the same idea. And I tell you, there, there is such joy in singing those kind of songs saying, hey, 
I know my sins have been washed away and I'm saved and I'm born again. And so we have to consider not only the trap that is set with flattery in verse number five, we have to consider the terms that are set in verse number six, uh, the terms that are bad with sin and transgression and the terms of goodness that go with righteousness and living right. Then go with me to verse number seven and we're going to totally take a turn. The Bible says the righteous considereth the cause of the poor, but the wicked regardeth not to know it. We have not only consider the, the trap, consider the terms, and I could not make this start with a T no matter what. So if you figure out a good T, then you let me know afterwards. But I had to put down consider the poor. Consider the poor. You look at this verse. The Bible says the righteous considereth the cause of the poor. This proverb contrasts the heart of the righteous compared to the heart of the wicked. We see the terms in, in verse number 7, but here we see the heart of, of the righteous person and the heart uh, of, the, of the, uh, the wicked person as it's described in this verse. Consider the cause of the poor. What is the cause? Uh, listen, uh, some people are simply uh, caught in the snare of sin. They really are. And as we went through the verse, hey, the transgression of an evil man, there is a snare. And sometimes people get caught up in that snare. And sometimes, uh, listen, people that we would look down on and we'd say, well, this person or that one. And it's, we should not look down at them, but we would look down at them. And listen, sometimes they're just caught in the snare of their own transgression. We ought to consider the cause of the poor. And say, listen, maybe they weren't out to try to get somebody. Maybe they were. Uh, maybe it was just the result of sin in their life that is absolutely decimated and destroyed and messed up their life. And that's where the majority of the world is today. Hey, but by the grace of God, there go you and I. I mean, thank God that I'm saved and thank God that God changed my life because if he had not, hey, I'd be the same as the rest of the world and I'd be caught in the snare of sin as well. And so we ought to consider the cause of the poor and understand, hey, they're caught in their life, in their own sin. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 9:15: The heathen are sunk down in the pit that they made and in the net which they hid is their own foot taken. Many times that's so true. But some of them have certainly sunk down as a result of sin. And we find they've come across hard times. You remember the story in Luke chapter 10. Jesus was told it, it was the, the story of the Good Samaritan. In verse number 30, he says this, And Jesus answering said, a certain, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. That man was poor. But he wasn't poor of his own making. He wasn't poor because he was uh, out to get other people. He was poor because really sin had caught him at a time and, uh, and had beaten him up and left him half dead. Thieves had come by and robbed him. And you know the story as well as I do. The priest came by and saw him and, and said, Man, I, I can't even get close because I'll defile myself and I won't be able to fulfill my priestly duties. So he wouldn't even go within, uh, I don't know, the road, a road width of him. He crossed to the other side of the road and said, man, I need to make sure I don't touch him and stay away from him. And he went on his way. 
Then the Levite come by and, and he also saw the man there and he also crossed to the other side of the road and, and continued on his way. But then Jesus goes on and he tells him about a Samaritan and he said this, he had compassion on him. We read this verse in Proverbs 29 and verse 7, the righteous considereth the cause of the poor. He goes on and finishes up that section in Luke chapter 10, and he asks this question, Now which of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And of course they all knew the answer. It was not the priest, it was not the Levite, it was the Samaritan, who they did not even like because they were half Jews. And Jesus knew that and used that as an illustration. He was simply giving a story and saying, Listen, hey, consider the cause of the poor. Some people are poor of their own making, but some people are poor as a result of the snare of sin in their life. And it's just gotten them down and it's gotten them beat up. And he's saying, listen, as righteous people, as people who are saved, as people who are born again, we ought to consider the cause of the poor. I thought of this, Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the God eternal considered the cause of the poor here on this earth and said, you know what? Man is lost and destitute and has no way of fixing themselves. And he came to this earth and he shed his precious blood on the cross of Calvary for people that loved him? No, for people that despised him for people that hated him, for people that were, not, that were not interested in Jesus. And he died on the cross. Why? Because he loved the entire world. And he was illustrating this verse and illustrating his love and his compassion. And it says, again, the righteous considereth the cause of the poor. And Jesus helped us out in salvation. And he died for us when we weren't looking for him. and We weren't even concerned with him. But he came and paid for our price and saved us. The second part of that verse says this, but the wicked regardeth not to know it. A selfish person will not take any interest in other people. They won't be concerned with other people. They'll be concerned with self. They'll be concerned with numero uno. They'll be concerned with what their interests are. But a righteous person will take interest in other people. A selfish person is not going to take interest in other people. A sinful person is not going to take interest in other people. But as Christians, we're commanded, hey, consider the poor. Consider the cause of the poor and take an interest in other people. We see the three things that we ought to consider. Consider the trap that is set at flattery and how others may try to uh, trap you and draw you in through flattery. We consider the terms in verse number 6 that the transgression and sin uh, always has a snare attached attached to it, but righteousness has joy and peace with it. And then we see, consider the, the, the poor in verse number 7, or the cause of the poor. We see a great illustration of being concerned with other people. This proverb, as I said, contrasts the heart of the righteous and being concerned with other people. 
and saying, you know what? Not everyone that's lost, matter of fact, most people that are lost, are, they are caught in the snare of their sin. That's where we'd be if we weren't saved. We had to consider the lost and consider their cause and say, you know what? God loves them and so should we. God cares about them and so should we. We ought to consider others as Jesus says, or as the proverb says here, and even as Jesus illustrated in Luke chapter 10, to have a concern for other people. So those are just three things that we can consider tonight as we consider personal conduct and how our life uh, interacts with other people. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for just really three things for us to think about, consider in our life. God, consider the trap that flattery brings with it. Consider the terms of sin and righteousness, and God, what a, what a ten times better deal we have living right, doing right, following you having joy in our life than the snare that sin brings with it. God, considering the cause of the poor, considering other people, God, I pray that you'd help us to be compassionate, thoughtful to others around us, many who maybe are, are much more misfortunate than ourselves, who are snared by sin. And God, may we be concerned and have compassion on them. And Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we have just a short hymn of invitation. A couple things just to consider and think about in our lives. We'll bring our invitation to a close. Just a quick uh, reminder that the teens and college career have an activity this Friday night at 6 o'clock. So just be aware of that. There is still sign-up sheet in the back for the ladies' paint night. And then we did have the Golden Anchors breakfast on Tuesday that went well. Praise the Lord. And, uh, and praise the Lord, Varieties was open. Amen. And uh, uh, everything went well. and We enjoyed that. Had a good turnout. So praise the Lord for that. All right. Smile. Also, let me dismiss those that are involved in play practice. So if you're in play practice, you may go. 
and get a head start and uh, get to your place so you can get that started. And then uh, smile at somebody and uh, tell them you're glad to see them here tonight. God bless.